What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy, Enjoy the, the message. message. All right, let's go ahead, and if you have, if you have a Bible with you or if you have the, the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, let's go. We're going really far to the front of your Bible to the book of Exodus. Somebody say Exodus. Exodus. Say it like Bob Marley. Exodus. Y'all had to think about it, but thank you, Christian question. Just didn't, you didn't have the accent, but other than that, you nailed it. Exodus chapter 29, and we're going to go to verse 19. And so while, while you're going there, I want to give a little preface. Last week we, we finished up our Joy Anyway series, going through the book of Philippians, really enjoyed that, and, uh, and, and those, those things are all either on our, our podcast on Spotify and iTunes, or, or you can see some, some of the video messages on our YouTube channel, but uh, I'm praying about, okay, God, what now? What, what are you saying right now? And, and right now, I don't know if you've, been, if you've seen it, whether it's been on social media or because it doesn't really get talked about. Um, from a news standpoint, it, it's not negative, so it doesn't get a whole lot of attention. Um, so right now, especially in the western part of our country, although there is some of this beginning to happen on the east coast as well, there are, uh, in contrast to, to the riots and in contrast to some of the other crazy things that we see taking place in, in some of our major cities on the west coast and in different pockets here and there, there, there is a, a growing movement of people who are hungry for Jesus. Uh, and and not, just, not just religious people. I'm talking about people that have been searching. They've been active. They've been involved in the things that have been going on in culture and society. And they're still, they still realize that that's not it. They still realize there's something missing. And so God's been using a handful of people who are passionate worshipers and passionate Jesus followers who who have a platform and God's been using them to gather people in public places simply to get together and to worship Jesus. How many of you have been seeing some of this on on social media and stuff like that? So, and and there, and maybe you've heard some of them kind of reference what is actually an older movement back from the 60s and 70s called the Jesus People Movement. And there's a lot of similarities between what was taking place then and what is taking place now. And so we, we're gonna take a, a period of time, we're gonna take a little bit of a season here as a church. I don't know how long it will last. I just want God to continue to speak and we'll keep talking about it as long as he wants us to keep talking about it. But I want us to dive in as a church and ask ourselves and ask God the question, what does it mean to be Jesus' people? What does it mean? What does that look like? What does it sound like? You know, how, how does that change us? How does it impact us? And in turn, how does it begin to make a change and impact what's happening around us? And so there, there's a lot to go into this, but today I felt, I felt impressed to kind of talk about what we kind of what we ended this last series about. And we started to talk a little bit about this word holy or holiness. 
in the in the church world for me growing up, I you know I was born and raised in church. I was a I was a pastor's kid. I I don't know anything else other other than that life. And I realized for our church and the type of church we are, that's that's not the norm for for most people who are in here. You've been introduced to Jesus or to the church in various different places of your life, some of you even very recently. And so my reality might be a little bit different from what your reality might be in that particular context. But still, the standard, I believe, for what God is is doing, not what he wants to do, but what he is doing in our nation and even around the world, is he's waking people up to be Jesus' people. Not to be regular people who happen to embrace Jesus in a, in a certain aspect of their life, but people who are learning to become desperately, boldly passionate about who they are in Christ. And then a, a, a like passion that comes right alongside that, which realizes other people need to know about this. Other people need to know about what I'm experiencing. So we're gonna talk about holiness a little bit. We'll get into that, but I wanted to start off with a couple of verses from Exodus 29 that if you've never spent any time in the Old Testament or never read through the book of Exodus, some of the things that that are mentioned in these few verses that I'm going to read may may be foreign to you, and that's okay. You may have never heard some of these things before, and and I'll do my best to connect the references, but even, even if I don't all the way, over time we'll be able to kind of unpack this a little bit. But I'm going to start in verse 19, and where is 19? There we go. What's taking place in this particular chapter is we have uh, pretty much anything, as you read through the book of Exodus, the context is these are, uh, these are Hebrews who would become the nation of Israel, but they were in, in Egypt as slaves for 400 years. We've all seen the Disney movie, right? Anyway, so then Moses, right? Moses comes, Pharaoh, let my people go. That whole thing happens. Eventually, they, they let them go. But the book of Exodus, for the most part, is the, is the account of the journey of the Hebrews coming out of Egypt and making their way towards the promised land, which would become the nation of Israel. And so throughout Exodus, what you see happening is God, who had in many different ways they had, they had distanced themselves from the faith that they were raised in. But you can imagine being a culture who was, at first, you knew who God was and you were raised to fear God and to follow God, but over 400 years of being enslaved and having a different culture from generation to generation to generation poured into you with the heart and the intent to remove from you the things of God that were there and to impart into you a new mindset, a new culture, and a new mentality that would keep you in an enslaved mentality in that culture. So what did God have to do when he was walking with them and taking them through the wilderness to get them to the promised land? He had to reintroduce himself. He had to reintroduce a system of making a way for people who did not know God anymore to bring them back into an intimate relationship as their heavenly father. And so there were certain individuals that God would set apart and would set aside for a special work so that they would be the individuals who would be able to more accurately communicate with God 
hear from God, and then go and lead the people. And so what we're having here in Exodus chapter 29, it's the, it's the dedication of those priests. And there's a lot of detail that went into it that we won't read, and some of it's really cool, some of it is just, there's not every read details in the Bible where you're like, I'm not sure if that's important, but it's interesting that it's in there. And then you just kind of keep going. Anyway, all right. There's a lot of that throughout some of these chapters in Exodus. But let's start in verse 19. And these are the instructions that God was giving to Moses in order to dedicate Aaron and his sons that were going to be the first uh, priests, spiritual leaders, if you will, of the tribes of Israel. In verse 19, it says, Now take the other ram and have Aaron and his sons lay their hands on its head and then slaughter it. I told you this is more PG-13, you know, type of thing that's going on, but you got to understand the context of what's happening in the Old Testament. Then slaughter it and apply some of its blood to the right earlobe of Aaron and his sons. Also put it on the thumbs of the right hand and the, and the big toes of their right feet. Uh, splatter the rest of the blood against all the sides of the altar. This is seeming messy, isn't it? Okay. Verse 21, it says, Then take some of the blood from the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and his sons and on their garments. In this way, they and their garments will be set apart as holy. Can somebody say set apart? That's what God's looking to do with his people. He's looking to set you apart from everything else. There should be a difference in being set apart from where God's people are to where people were before they knew who God was. I'm getting ahead of myself. But let's pray real quick. Father, I just pray in the moments that we have that you would open up our hearts to be able to hear, to be able to receive. God, we, we need, uh, we don't need good ideas. And we don't need you to bless the things that we want to do. Father, we need to be fully submitted to who you are. Help us to be humble before you in the context of of, of realizing that we, we don't have it all figured out, but God, you do. And so, Father, we don't want to be people who know Jesus. We want to truly be Jesus' people. Help us to understand, God, over this season what that looks like and to actually put it into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let me give you a little bit more context of this, this Jesus' people movement back from the, the 60s and the 70s, and it actually started in 1967. And very similar to what we're even experiencing right now, this particular movement was taking place while there was significant political upheaval, social unrest. The, the, we're in the 60s and the 70s here. Come on, this was the, the drug, sex, and rock and roll, free love. And, and even if you were to go back and do some of the history, the summer of love, like, like that, that, that was going on. And simultaneously, there was a counter movement that was coming out very much from people who were a part of this, the, the, the secular hippie movement, but the things that they were experimenting with, the things that they were searching after that they thought was gonna give them some sense of enlightenment or fulfillment or whatever it may be, it was coming up empty. And there were a handful of men and women that God began to use in very bold and in very uh, uh, unconventional ways to go out and to meet those who were searching for more and to give them Jesus. I feel like in the church world now, we're, we're, we're trying to come out of, this, out of this mindset where even though we, we may not have said it on purpose, 
it's been a little bit in the way that we have operated, which is you need Jesus, but we haven't presented Jesus in an all-sufficient way to our culture that paints the picture that the church believes that Jesus is actually all that we need. We have unintentionally demonstrated a Jesus plus other things. When the reality is, it's Jesus plus nothing. We don't need to add to Jesus. And no, this is not a, a Jesus only if you were to break into that theology where we're not acknowledging the Father, we're not acknowledging the Holy Spirit. But we're talking about Jesus only being the fact that Jesus is the introduction to who God is. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus was the one who was publicly hung on a cross. Jesus was the one who in his physical body died, was buried, and rose from the dead. Jesus was the one that imparted his spirit into the early disciples. Jesus was the one that told his disciples, go in Jerusalem and wait for me to send you the spirit, but I have to go back to the Father. So it was Jesus that ascended back to heaven, and when the time and the day comes, it will be Jesus who returns to take his church home. So when we say Jesus is all that we need, the reality is, is that Jesus is all that we need because when we embrace the, the fullness and the totality of who Jesus is, it brings us into his kingdom, which opens up everything else. But it has to start with Jesus. How many of you ever heard um, the term Jesus freaks? That came out of this movement. That was another name that the people were calling these individuals. Now here's the cool thing. This, this Jesus people movement wasn't called a Jesus people movement by the people who were involved in the movement. They didn't have a meeting, like a branding session. They didn't bring in an outside contractor to really figure out, I mean, how can, we, how can we brand this? We gotta figure out what domains are available. We gotta figure out if it's you know, if the same thing is across on social media. No, they, they just went out and they began to do the things that they saw Jesus doing in scripture. Not polished, not professional, some of them barely out of the sin that they were just in yesterday. But they had a newfound passion and a newfound desire in Jesus. They had found freedom, they had found forgiveness, they had found fulfillment, they had found what they had been searching for in all the other things but couldn't find it. And they now had this, this brand new enthusiasm and passion to make sure that they didn't get selfish with what God was doing in them. And so literally, they, you know, they, would be, they would be one verse. They would be John 3, 16, ahead of the person that they were trying to lead to the Lord. They're like, what else you got? I don't know, come back tomorrow. I gotta read another verse. Or I gotta ask somebody else. They asked some theological question. I don't really know, but I know Jesus loves me, man. But it was actually the individuals from the outside in who were observing the people involved in what would be called this movement and they said, man, they're like, they're like a bunch of Jesus people. They're walking around trying to act like Jesus. Boom, there's the name. That's, that kind of sounds familiar to me because like the word Christian, for example, that came from, in the book of Acts, in Antioch, which was a place actually now in modern-day Turkey, where Paul had gone and, and planted a church, and, and, and they were just doing the things that Paul had taught them to do that Jesus had taught him. And it was the people outside the church observing what was happening through the people in the church. And I said, man, they're like, they're, like a, they're like a little Christ. 
which is where that word Christian comes from. It means like Christ or little Christ. And I've also heard recently, in recent history, maybe in the last 5, 10, 20 years, I've heard different names being given to the church from people who are observing what they see happening through the greater church world. And to be honest, it hasn't all been flattering. It hasn't, it hasn't all been positive. And you got to ask yourself why. Because I think the world is just describing what they see. I haven't heard recently, in, in recent years, a lot of, oh, wow, they're, they're Christ-like. I haven't heard a whole lot of, man, they look just like Jesus. There's a lot of, if that's what Jesus is, and I don't think I want anything to do with that. Hypocrites. Which doesn't mean that that's not true. I just personally think this is the best place for hypocrites to be. Coming to church and being a Christian doesn't mean that you're not. It just means that you're in progress. But there should be something that becomes tangible and visible and different as those who are on the outside, if you will, looking in, see something that should be beautiful and should be attractive. But things are beginning to change. Things are beginning to shift. More and more you're seeing uh, Jesus followers and Christians and churches and leaders and other movements that are, they've become fed up with what Christianity has become. And they're becoming more and more emboldened and passionate about going back to what it is supposed to be. Not just was, but what it is supposed to be. We're supposed to be Jesus people. We're supposed to be Jesus freaks. We're supposed to be Christians. We're supposed to be like Christ and how the world sees us. It doesn't mean they're always gonna agree. That's never changed. Because the kingdom of God is always, always has been, is now, and always will be at odds with the other kingdoms that are at work in our world. It just will. But the reality is, is that God is actively moving and working on the hearts of those who feel far from him because he so passionately desires to save them, to redeem them, and to bring them ultimately back into relationship with him. That is the heart of God. So this Jesus people movement, there were, I was doing more and more kind of research looking at it because anytime you have um, any religious movement, I use that term very loosely, eventually there always ends up being a couple of offshoots that you're kind of like, Ooh. you're like, oh, they kind of took that in a different direction. Okay, zigged when they should have zagged. You know, they, and even in the Jesus people movement, there were some not so good offshoots towards the end that ended up happening. Some people that took things and ran with it, some cult type of situations, which can happen when there ends up being a lot of zeal but not a lot of dis, um, discipleship. Somebody can end up being caught up on a detail or caught up on a thought or caught up on one aspect of a theology and just run with it. So right now what I see happening around our nation, what I see happening uh, on, our, on our West Coast and even in other pockets around our country, people are beginning to realize, man, I think we've been missing it for a while. What do we need to do? We need to get back to Jesus. We need to get back to worship. We need to get back to prayer. We need to get back to repentance. We need to get back 
to holiness. Because these were some of the things that ultimately marked the Jesus people movement. It was a movement of people being just running to Christ with a repentant heart. I mean, people straight out of the drug house who were met on the front porch by the Jesus people with the, I mean, they looked just like them. That was the beauty. They, there was some little relevance, but they knew that something was different. Coming out of the drug house, met on the street by people who were saying, hey, I want to tell you about this Jesus that changed my life. Getting saved on the spot. Didn't have churches with baptism, so they had to, they had to find things. Whether, I mean, we get to use a pool today. That's, I was baptized in a pool. I loved it. Some of y'all got baptized in a horse trough because that's what we've had. Represent. But I love some of the pictures you can look up online from, from this Jesus people movement. They would literally, they would just flock to a beach. They would flock to a river. Wherever they could find water it reminds me of, of the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts that, that, that the apostle Philip was, uh, was, saw him and he saw that he was reading scripture and the Holy Spirit told him to go over and talk to him and, and he began to explain scripture to this guy because he didn't understand what he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And ultimately he brought him all the way through and told him about Jesus and salvation and told him about baptism, what some of you will do today. And he said, well, is there any reason why I shouldn't be baptized right now? Philip said, you can kind of, he's looking around, hey, there's, there's a puddle of water. He's like, all right, let's do it, boom. And they just went, get, they went and got baptized because when there, is a, when there is an enthusiastic zeal in response to the reality of who Jesus is in our life, we bypass all of the stuff that's in our brain that tells us, well, you know, I've got I've to be ready for this. The Ethiopian didn't say to Philip, well, give me about six months to a year. I want to think about, I've already said yes to Jesus, but this baptism thing, I really want to make sure that I'm mature in my faith. Maturity in your faith means you continually say yes to Jesus. Doesn't mean there aren't greater depths to it, there absolutely are. But when it comes to moving your body and your soul and your spirit in response to who Jesus is, it's just a matter of having that courage, the boldness, and the faith to continue to say yes and to take these steps that move you forward. Anyway, that's a, that's a tangent. It's a tangent. I think the reality is, is that the, the world will never truly see Jesus in us until we overflow with Jesus out of us. The other week we talked about the battle for overflow. There's, there's really no such thing as being spiritually empty because, of, because you're always intaking. If we continue to take in from what the world gives, we will overflow with what the world gives us, but it leaves us feeling empty, even though we're actually full. But when it comes to the things of God, the more we pour in, whether it's learning and understanding uh, scripture, whether it's spending time in prayer, whether it's being in the environments like this that inspire prophetic movement inside of us to see the spirit of God do what only the spirit of God can do, then we will be, we will be filled and we will begin to overflow of what God is doing. And so you just have to ask yourself the question, it's not do I wanna be empty or do I wanna be full, it is what do I want overflowing out of me? And once you get to the point where you, where you are able to settle that in your mind, you're able to settle that in your spirit, that I want to overflow in me and out of me with the things of God. Once your mind is made up, it's simply a pursuit. 
It's simply saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes, whenever it takes, to get myself in an atmosphere and an environment where I am continually filled, whether it's getting up 30 minutes earlier than I normally do in the morning so I can listen to a worship song and read the Bible, whether it's making sure that normally I would try to get to church whenever I could. Now I'm going to do other things when I can, but right now I'm going to get to the house of God because it's going to be an atmosphere of faith with other men and women of God who are going in the same direction as me. I'm telling you, I love having worship time by myself but it never even comes close to when I get to do it with other people. That's why you have to have both. We live in an either-or world. God's kingdom is both and. It's not, well, what should I do? Is it, is it about me spending time with God, or is it about me spending time with God with other people? Yes, it is both and. Should I, should I, should I know the word, or should I be close to the spirit? Yes, it's both and. Should I be relevant to the world and also filled with the Holy Spirit and live a holy life? No, it's not an either or, it's both and. Because even though on the outside, what may be happening spiritually might not seem to be relevant on the outside, it is 100% relevant to what's inside. And two thirds of who you are. You are body, you are soul, you are spirit. And if what we are dealing with is coming from the inside, that's two-thirds of your being, which makes what God is trying to do through his people and through the church the most relevant thing possible. Because once he gets into your heart, then he will begin to saturate your soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions. And once he saturates your soul, it will overflow out of your body, the way that you talk, the things that you want to see, what you choose to listen to, how you use your, your five senses for God. I'm gonna use my hands, I'm gonna use my skill, I'm gonna use everything that God puts in my disposal to be an outflowing of Jesus through me. And these were the thoughts, these were the mindsets that were consuming this generation. And from the Jesus People movement, there were so many amazing churches and leaders and movements that came out of it, Calvary Chapel, uh, uh, Pastor Chuck Smith is one of them, Greg Laurie, another one. For Kara and myself, our heritage, our spiritual heritage comes from the Jesus People movement. She grew up on the West Coast, I grew up on the East Coast. My pastor, the, the church I grew up in, like that's, this is in our DNA. This desire, this hunger, this passion, it's, it's inside of us. And, and I pray more and more every single day, every single week that it comes out of us. And it begins to influence our environment more, which will in turn influence the environments and the places of influence where we find ourselves. So we were raised by the individuals who were the hippies, who were being saved and were being fired up for God. The, the worship music that we sing in this day and time was inspired and came out of the Jesus People movement. Prior to that, most of what was taking place in churches were like, was, you know, nothing against it. was like the hymns and the organs. And, and again, I, I was, my parents, once they got, uh, traditionally they were going to like Methodist churches. That was my background. I never went unless we were going because of some relative that had a party. Because by the time I came along, they were in a spirit-filled church that was do, doing crazy stuff for Jesus. But that was the movement, like the, the 60s and 70s, instead of, them, instead of them saying, no, we have to continue to do music the way it's always been done, they began to take the rock and roll songs that were coming out and were popular 
And they would just like, well, we don't know what to do. Let's just change the words to this song. I don't know what the copyright rules were back in the 60s. I have no idea. But that's what they would do. They would take, they would take rock and roll songs and they would just change the lyrics and they would sing them. And then from that, people began to write songs. People began to create worship music in a way that had never been done before. And it began to connect. And so the fact that we get to have worship that does have drums and has amplification and has guitars and has different singers the way that it does is all out of this movement. So you've heard the phrase, you know, those that don't know history are, are doomed to repeat it. I think on the flip side of that, we, yes, we, we have to know history, but history in the kingdom of God can actually get us back on track so that we are guided in the direction that God's trying to take his church. And so we don't want to replicate the Jesus people movement just because it worked then. We need God to move now for what's going to work now. But the one thing that will always be relevant and will continue to be successful, whether it's 1800s, 2020, or 25, whatever, 100, I don't know, we'll be here flying cars by then, they better be. I thought we'd have flying cars by 2020. But the one thing that never has to change that will always be relevant is the message of Christ. It was relevant 2,000 years ago. It's relevant today. The fact that God created you in his image the fact that he loves you unconditionally, the fact that you were dead in your sins, but Jesus decided to go to the cross for you, the fact that it doesn't matter how difficult, how messed up, how tragic life has been, God has a plan for you and can redeem it and will empower you and what the enemy meant to destroy you from your past, God will use it as a platform to build his kingdom and to bring people who are broken into light. Somebody needed to hear that this morning. You need to stop blaming God for the things that have happened in your life and start realizing that God's trying to use it. Did he make it happen? No, God's not making disaster happen in your life. But he can take anything and he can turn it into good. The Bible says he, he gives beauty for ashes. Meaning that the things that felt like our life was just burning down. God can take the ashes and turn it into something that is absolutely beautiful. But it has to be with him. It has to start with him. We're not really talking about holiness yet. And we don't really have time to. Can I give you one scripture? <laughs> Please, just give me one. I did give you one. I gave, give me one scripture to take home with me today. Oh, man. This is going to be what we call an introductory message. Here we go. First Thessalonians, uh, chapter four, verse. I didn't, even, I didn't. We didn't even like break. George, we didn't even break down like the first scriptures that we got into talking about. They're like, I'm still waiting to hear about sacrificing these animals. I mean, you got into that. I'm still looking. We'll probably have to get at that later. Anyway, First Thessalonians, chapter four, verse seven and eight. This is in the New Testament. In the Passion Translation, it says, for, for God's call on our lives is not to a life of compromise and perversion, but to a life surrendered, or sorry, surrounded in holiness. Therefore, whoever rejects this instruction isn't rejecting human authority, but God himself, who gives us his precious gift, the spirit of holiness. 
baby. You can come on up if you want. I'll, that'll, that'll force me to wrap this thing up. Dan, did you think I was saying babe to you? Okay, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jamie's like, please stop. Okay. I'll give you this about holiness from that particular scripture. Listen, holiness is not about you being religious and, and doing all good things. Holiness is not about how much better you are than somebody else. Holiness doesn't have anything to do with having a list of rules that you successfully follow every single day. Holiness is all about you living in submission to a relationship with God. Because here's the thing, apart from God, we, we're dead in our sin. The word holiness itself, it literally means set apart. It literally means that what you were, you have now been picked up, moved into a different place, a place of honor, and have been set apart for a special work. God's trying to do something in you that cannot be done as we continue to live the way that we've always lived. Even if you've been living for God, don't be like, well, I'm good. I got my, you know, got my fire insurance. I said yes to Jesus. I go to church. No, that's, that's great. But God is looking for something that is deeper. Because when the church lives set apart, we live in a way that makes us visible for the world to see that there is something different taking place. And my hope and my prayer is that what is different inside of us are the things that make them wonder, man, they're, they're different. What are they doing? They're, it's almost like that Jesus dude I've heard of. They're trying to act like Jesus. They look like they're, they're they, they look happy all the time. I know they can't be. Why are they so, why are they so nice? These, you know, these are superficial, but they're observations. It's an outward expression of something that's happened on the inside, right? Why are they so kind to me? How come I can scream in their face, but they just smile at me and they tell me they love me? I mean, we can, we can think as right now, this stuff is happening. Right now, there are confrontations that are taking place that would challenge the core of anybody who calls himself a Jesus follower. But God speaks to us through his word and he says, it's, it's not by our rightness that they will know that we are with God. It's by our love. Holiness is living by the love of God. Holiness is allowing the reality of who God is to be tangible through us. And I pray today that as we, as we wrap this up even, even now, um, that that what is gonna start inside of us would start with a hunger. Hunger is the thing that makes you start searching, right? It's like if you're hungry at home, what do you do? Well, you go to the kitchen, start searching. You open up the pantry, you open the fridge. You're like, I want something. I know I need something. I'm hungry. All right, well, let's, let's convert that over into a spiritual realm. I'm hungry. All right, so how, how do I start searching? And we just need more of Jesus in our life. We need more. That's why even during worship, I was vocal about Listen, don't, don't just observe worship. Don't, just, don't, don't let it be a stagnant moment where other people are performing for you because that's not what our worship team does. Let it be interactive. Let it be something where that hunger builds up inside of you in a way that makes you want to continue to take steps of faith, of physical expression, whether it's singing, whether it's dancing, whether it's raising your hands, clapping, whatever it may be. Can I pray for you? 
Actually, can we do this? Can you stand up where you are? Can you take your hand, just put it on your heart? Father, we pray right now with the mighty name of Jesus for every single person in here today. God, I pray that something that was said today will connect with where we are. God, we wanna have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. We wanna know you more. Father, help us to continue to be able to transform into the people that you say we can be, to live the lives that you tell us that we can live. And Father, we pray, Lord, that we would, as we, as we begin this journey now as a church, to dive in and learn what it means to be Jesus' people. Help us to be humble in our passion, but help us to be deliberate about pursuing you, Father. Right now, our world is in such need of your love, in such need of hope, in such need of something that is tangible that's gonna bring transformation, that's gonna tear down the walls of hate, and that is gonna build up a new reality, Father, where you are at the center. Father, we pray that your will be done. Father, let your kingdom come. And let your kingdom come through our lives, Father. Connect us to the realities of heaven, Lord, and, and let us be the ones that, that, that make it visible to those around us. God, we've heard, many of us have heard it said before that for, for some people, we may be the only Jesus that they see. So let us become the Jesus people that bring hope, that bring love, that bring grace into our world. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Convo Church. Thanks again for listening. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.